0: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. We are on the final countdown, the final countdown for the destruction of this world. Now, we're all accustomed to things continuing as they have been, that will not continue. And as we face the end of time and the coming of Jesus Christ, how should we be? How should we behave? The Apostle Peter, knowing that his time was very short, Jesus had told him that he would be crucified. He has told him that he will soon be leaving his body. And he writes a letter. He writes a letter to the saints. He has some final things he wants to say to them. And one of the things that he wants to say is that, yes, the hour of God's judgment is upon us. The day of the Lord has come. And we must now deal with the reality of the day of the Lord. He has some very specific advice. He's not going to talk about what to do with your money. He's not going to talk about how you survive this. Many of us will not survive what's coming. Many of us will probably be martyred. Already in Canada, Christian pastors are being drug off to jail because they dared to hold a worship service in defiance of the Antichrist powers. While Costco and other big stores are welcome to be open, the church must remain closed, and the pastors both here in America and in Canada and in other parts of the world have just rolled over not standing up and saying, no, we will not obey that law. It is against the word of God. Instead, they've rolled over. They'll roll over for the mark of the beast just as quickly as they rolled over to close their churches in this time. Peter has a very specific thing he wants to say to us. He wants to say to us, be sober-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Peter knows that the answer is going to be found in the prayer closet this morning. About 4 a.m., I woke up and terror filled my heart. Looking at all that's coming upon the earth, looking at this radio broadcast, and what shall I say, and how do I address these issues? Terror filled my heart. People have already become angry at what I'm saying on the air and have turned off, no longer give, have distanced themselves, have judged me. It's okay. But my heart filled with terror. Will everyone reject the word of God in this hour? Will any be sober-minded and filled with love and compassion and care about the work of the gospel? All I could do was what I always do when my heart fills with terror, when fear grips me. I begin to pray. And I always begin in the same way. Lord, my heart is filled with fear, and I don't know what's causing it, but I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to praise your mighty name. I am going to worship you. And right there, before I even rolled over out of bed, I began to praise the name of Jesus. I began to sing songs of praise, my spirit being lifted up to Jesus commanded that fear, depart from me now. I have no part with you in fear. I stand by faith in the blood of Jesus. He knows what he's doing, and we have come to the end of the age. He says, humble yourself unto the mighty hand of God. Chapter 5, verse 8 of First Peter. You must be alert. You must be sober. Your accuser, the devil, is walking around as a roaring lion seeking somebody that he may devour. I don't want to participate in the work of the devil. I'm not going to come and accuse my brethren. But I'm going to state very plainly what I see is the truth and the condition and what we must do to get right with Jesus, that we must turn away from wickedness. We must be sober and steadfast in the faith that was given to us by Jesus. Then in Second Peter, he begins to tell us what's going to happen. He says, as we come to this end time, which we're now in, the countdown is on. He tells us that false prophets will arise among us. There will be false teachers. They will introduce destructive heresies, even denying Jesus. That's what's happening in the American church. Destructive heresies have been taught. And many of you, as have I, been deeply marred by these wicked, deceptive heresies that, that put down as nothing the blood of Jesus. And so as we come to this final hour, the day of the Lord, Peter's saying, be sober, pray, and be aware that you can't believe what you're taught, for you've been taught a lie. You've been taught that that God has unconditional love. You've been taught that God will accept you as a sinner, that all you have to do is your best, and, and you'll have wonderful fellowship with God. You've been taught you have to be rich. Many churches today have been totally taken over by this seeker-sensitive church where they'll send out people into the community, and they'll... They'll take a poll. They'll see what do you like about church and what do you not like about. What would we have to do? Well, you don't like the offering. Okay, we won't take an. Op- we won't talk about money anymore. Oh, you don't like the cross? Okay, we'll take the cross out of the church. You don't like the choir? No problem. You like a short sermon? Maybe fifteen minutes. Twelve, fifteen minutes. You want some? You want some skits and some drama in the service? Okay, no problem. We'll do all of that. Come on back. We're, we're a wonderful, welcoming family of God. Everybody will find themselves comfortable and welcome here. That's not the church of Jesus Christ. That's the wicked church of our day. They'll advertise today, oh, we have the friendliest church in town. Oh, why don't they say, we have the holiest church in town? Oh, nobody come then. We're at the day of the Lord. Jesus is coming again. And you must be sober and vigilant and not be taken in by these false teachers. It says, many will follow after their destructive ways. The truth of God will be blasphemed. They will be full of coveting. Dangerous, wicked times. We're going to have to change. Peter goes on and he he, he talks about the angels that sinned against God and came down and took human wives. They've been now put in a a holding place called Tartus for the day of God's judgment where they will be cast into the lake of fire. He then talks about Noah, the preacher of righteousness, and how God brought a flood on the earth and only saved this handful of family. The rest of the earth was utterly corrupt, filled with violence. God destroyed the the whole world. And then Peter talks about the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, Washington, D.C., America is more wicked today than Sodom and Gomorrah. If God does not bring judgment on America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, in the face of this day of judgment that we're facing, and and by the way, I want to be very clear. I'm not speaking generally here. I'm being very specific. We face the day of judgment. Now, in your lifetime, you will see Jesus come in the clouds of glory. He's coming. I'm warning you today. Today. Oh, we hear about a gas pipeline that's been shut down and, and gas prices are skyrocketing and there's going to be shortage of gas. We hear about food shortages and, and lumber and a house now shot up $35,000 because of the expensive lumber. We hear all kinds of stories in the media about the wickedness of our cities of Portland, LA, Washington, D.C., Baltimore, the major city, Chicago, the murders, the rapes, the utter ungodliness of our cities. But all of that is spread by television. It's spread by the media. It's everywhere in our nation. Now, Peter says, look, the unrighteous are going to be saved for the day of God's judgment. And then he begins to speak about the teachers in the church that I've already mentioned, how these people are only concerned about wealth, making money. Church today has become a business. It's an institution. It's a culture. It's not a body. Now, he says they promise freedom, but they themselves are, are already walking into destruction. He's talking about people who've been enslaved by the wicked world and who've been brought now to Jesus. But they're seduced into wickedness again by the church. He talks about the dogs returning to their vomit and the pigs returning to their wallowing in the mire. That's where the church is today in North America. Now, I want to read for you how he closes the book as he knows he's going to soon be crucified. Both he and his wife were told extra-biblically in history that both he, Peter, and his wife were crucified. She was crucified first, and he urged her to be faithful. And to be courageous. That a reward was waiting them in heaven. And then Peter was crucified upside down. And they died on those old rugged crosses in anguish and pain, and they were martyred. Now, please understand. If a man is willing to lay his life down, as was Jesus Christ, and as were all of the disciples willing to lay their lives down, probably John is the only one who was not martyred. They're not going to speak lies to us just before they perish. Second Peter, the third chapter. I'll begin reading for you at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements being burned up will be destroyed. Both the earth and the works in it will be consumed by fire. Consequently, all these things being destroyed, what kind of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godly acts, expecting and eagerly desiring the arrival of the day of God, because of which the heaven being on fire will be destroyed and the elements being burned up are melted. But according to his promise, we expect new heavens, a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, while expecting these things. You must make every effort to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. In fact, you must regard the patience of our Lord as for salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, according to the the wisdom having been given to him, wrote to you, as also in all of his letters, speaking in them concerning these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which things the ignorant and unstable twist as also other scriptures to their own destruction. What's he talking about? This great sin of our day, where we're told that God loves you unconditionally, where we're told that you're saved even though you're walking in rebellion against the Most High. filling your hearts with the wickedness of our world with the entertainment with the television with the with the youtube's with the with the video games you're filling your heart with violence and wickedness You go to the entertainment of the world so quickly and so easily, and you think, well, there's nothing wrong with this, and you spend great great amounts of money traveling here and traveling there. I know families who who spend thousands of dollars to transport their sons or daughters to sporting events because they hope they can get a scholarship and then become professional sports athletes if they would spend a fraction of that on pursuing righteousness and holiness, don't they know this world is passing away? It's over. Jesus is coming again. My heart breaks. I say, Lord, what am I to say? probably one of the most dangerous things you can do for your spiritual life is to listen to this broadcast and then not act on what I'm sharing with you. Because what will happen is your heart will grow more and more cold and harder and harder until finally Satan will just come and steal away the seed from your heart and you will produce nothing for the kingdom of God. You have your religion, you have your works, you have what you believe, and you're on your way to heaven. The problem is you're not on your way to heaven. If you're walking in rebellion or sin, any known sin will keep you out of heaven. Yes, that's what the scriptures teach. Read. Read Romans 6. Shall we continue to sin? so that God's grace may absolutely know. So many have heard me say that, that you don't take it seriously anymore. And you continue walking in your wicked ways, walking in the things that you desire, in your opinions, Your judgments You turn off the radio, you turn off the the YouTube. So what shall we do? Say, Lord Lord, what do you do? one of the things that I know is that I have to go all the way back to the basics. As we come to the end of the world as we know it, and I'm telling you now, this world is in the process of wrapping up. And within the next hours, days, You can expect Jesus to come. Now, you say, what about the seven-year tribulation? Well, there will be a seven-year tribulation, and I suspect that that seven-year tribulation is going to begin within the next maybe year, year and a half. We're going to see the tribulation begin. Now, will Jesus take us home before the tribulation begins? I don't know. There's a a pre-trib belief. There's a mid-trib belief. There's a post-trib belief. I don't know which one's right. I can find arguments for all three positions. But what I do know is that Jesus is coming. And what I do know is that we don't have very much time to get ready. Besides, it's not a salvation issue when Jesus comes. The salvation issue is, are you ready when he comes? Are you still walking in sin and arrogance before him? I just know that to prepare myself for the coming of Jesus, I have set my heart, I have set my face like flint, I will not walk in any known sin the blood of Jesus has delivered me from all wickedness I'm not going to walk in it That is the expectation of the apostle Peter in both 1st and 2nd Peter it is the expectation of the of the gospel of John and the epistle of 1st John It's the expectation of the Apostle Paul. It's the expectation of Jesus. Now, in the Sermon on the Mount, and this is back to basics, I'm hesitant to say this to you because... I don't want you to get the idea that I'm pulling out a passage of Scripture from the Sermon on the Mount and just focusing on that because it's a whole piece. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who know that they are in grinding poverty and they know they have to do something about it. And so they begin to weep over their condition before a holy God. And they end up with a heart that has been humbled before him. And then you walk through the rest of the Beatitudes. You walk through what Jesus is saying in chapter 5, verse 13 of of Matthew. You are the salt of the earth. If you've lost the bite in your life, if you've become like the world, you're worth nothing to Jesus. He says, "Do Do not begin to think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets, I came not to abolish, but to fulfill. And then he goes on to talk about how in his power, by faith in him, we no longer walk in sin. But then we come all the way, almost to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And he speaks to those of us who have made this absolute commitment to Jesus. And he says, No one can serve two masters. You either you either hate one and love the other, or you're devoted to one and despise the other. You're not able to serve God. And money. You cannot do it. So I. I wake up and. Suddenly I'm concerned about. What seems to be a slowing down of giving. For Pilgrim's Progress Radio. And I begin to cry out to God and say Lord what do you want me to do about this? Well, I can't serve both money and God. And he's the one who said he would carry me. And so now it's a question of, will I trust him? Yes, I will trust him. And he will move in the hearts of precious men and women to sacrifice and lay their lives down for the work of the gospel. Others are going to hoard what they have and say, I can't afford to give. Can I tell you the truth? When you take that position, you're worshiping money. You need to ask the Holy Spirit what he wants you to do. Now, he begins to speak about anxieties of life. What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? Now, please understand that by this far along in the Sermon on the Mount, he is no longer addressing people who are walking in any known sin. He's speaking to his people who have come apart from the world and who now have utterly given themselves over to Jesus. And they're not going to turn to the left or to the right. They're not going to be controlled by whether they have a roof over their head or a place to sleep at night. They're not going to be controlled by physical comfort. They have now found their place of rest in Jesus Christ. And now he says this. So never begin to worry saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we put on? For the Gentiles seek after these things. The Gentiles are the ones who do not believe in Jesus Christ, or who do not believe that they need to leave their sin. They believe a lie, that they're good to go, that they're safe in the midst of their wickedness, The scripture calls them Gentiles. The Gentiles seek after all of these things. I know of men who call themselves Christians, but their only concern is making money to take care of their families. They've never stepped out in total trust in Jesus Christ. So their hearts are filled with pride. Now your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all of these things. But you must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added or will be given to you. So never begin to be anxious for tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for the things of itself. Sufficiency for the day in its own trouble. I know people who have pursued money all of their life call themselves Christians. But their only concern is, how am I going to make ends meet? Well, maybe they're not supposed to make ends meet. Well, I'm responsible for my children. Really? I thought you gave your children to Jesus. Well, I'm I'm responsible for them. No. Not if you're following Jesus. He is responsible you understand? We've come to the day of the Lord. And the Apostle James, he says, a double-minded man will receive nothing from the Lord. You can't sit on the fence, half in the world pursuing money, and half in Jesus saying, I trust him. Now, yes, you're going to go to work, but you're not going to go to work the way the pagans go to work. You're going to go to work because Jesus has assigned you that place. And if he didn't assign you that place, stay right there. Begin to repent before God for making that choice yourself and ask and believe that he will deliver you from that place and send you to the place he wants you to stand in faith and ministry for the gospel of Jesus. We are all ministers according to the scriptures. And where you work is not the place where you lust after money or success or a name. The place where you work is the place of ministry in the name of Jesus Christ because we've come to the end of time. Everything is going to get wrapped up now. And What are you going to do if you're sitting on the fence and you think it's all about money? Money is important. I have to buy food like everyone else, and I'm not on salary. I have to drive a car for transportation if the Lord wants me to. It depends on what the Lord wants from me. I trust him to send me by whatever means necessary to do what he calls me to do, and if that's for you to sit in an office or to work at home or to go on construction or to work for the government or whatever he's called you to be, a dentist or a doctor or a teacher, whatever he's called you to be, that is your assigned place of ministry. And Jesus now will carry you if you are not divided in your mind, if you are not double-minded. See, we're coming Literally to the end of the world. Jesus is coming again. When I was just a boy, my dad said that to me. And I believed him. But then I went on and went to college, and he said, You won't graduate before Jesus comes, but I did. So, yes, I agree. There have been delays. I honestly do not believe there will be another delay. I believe we're facing a time of revival, of the mighty acts of God as he acts one last time for the salvation of his people. And now is the time when we need to be crying out to the Lord, where we need to be praying, where we need to be seeking his kingdom, the kingdom of God and seeking his righteousness and trusting that he will carry us through whatever comes. I think it's important that you be wise and store away some gold or silver, to store away some food, to have some cash held back, to have ways of protecting yourself, your family. Yes, all of that may be very wise depending on how the Lord leads you. But bottom line, he can feed you manna. He has ways of taking care of you. And I believe that soon he's going to have places of safety and refuge where we will flee and hide. As Isaiah 26 says, go behind closed doors, and wait on me. My brother, my sister, do you understand? We're out of time. Jesus is coming. All of the signs in the scripture point to his coming quickly. America is being turned over to socialism, communism, anarchy wicked men in high places under the direct power of of spiritual entities that are filled with hatred and destruction for the work of Christ. The whole world is turning upside down. There's going to be a great financial collapse, and the dollar will lose its value. I've said this to you before, but when I was at, a young man, and I got my first car. I paid 18 cents a gallon for my gasoline. Has the gas gone up in price? No, the dollars lost its value. I bought my first car while I was in seminary. I bought a Mercedes Benz. I paid $4,000 for that new Mercedes. I bought a household of furniture. I supported a wife and a child on $9,000 a month. It was enough. My wife didn't have to work. What happened? They took the value out of the dollar. They stole it. And now inflation, which is the greatest thief of all, is devastating our nation, and it's only going to grow worse and worse until finally the dollar will have no value. It will crash and burn, and they will go to a one-world digital currency that is a setup and preparation for the mark of the beast. Global governance. What they've done with the, the vax and what they're doing with the mask is all a part of the world one-world government setup and control. Open your eyes, brother, sister. Don't you see what's coming upon the earth? If you took the back so easily, don't you think you'll also take it if it means you can't buy or sell without the mark of the beast? Of course you'll take it. Unless you have a change of heart and you stand up and say, No, I will serve the Lord God and he is my protector and he alone is my healer. And I will trust him. I think about these things and my heart breaks and I begin to weep. Lord. Lord. Take the Take the scale off our eyes. Take the, take the veil from our faces so that we can see reality and see that we are right at the door of the coming of Jesus Christ. That we can see that the world is being destroyed. Famine is on the way. It's no surprise to me that California is dry. The judgments of God are already being poured out upon the wicked portions, the most wicked portions of our nation. If you're a Christian and you live in California, move, please. Get away from the coast. It's going to be destroyed. If you live in Florida, get out, please. It's going to be destroyed if you live in large cities like Portland or Seattle or L.A. or Washington, D.C., if you can move out now, destruction is coming. We're right on the verge of a world war. Right on the verge of a nuclear holocaust. Get to safety. Go where Jesus tells you. If he doesn't tell you to move, if he tells you to stay right there, stay there. Do what the Holy Spirit tells you. But you're not going to hear from the Holy Spirit if you're walking in rebellion and sin and wickedness in your life, claiming that you're a Christian. You will not hear the warning from God. You will be swept away. Oh, my brother, my sister. You hear the cry of my heart. I want you to be saved. This body that I live in it's going it it will be destroyed. I know that I don't have a lot longer in this body. I'm praying I will have enough strength to last until Jesus comes. I believe he will carry me in this last day for the proclamation of the gospel and for the revival he's promised me. I'm standing by faith for that promise. I believe he's coming and coming soon. So, what is the condition of your heart today? Is your heart hard? Are you still playing with wickedness? Are you still playing with the world and claiming that you walk in Jesus? Are you still spending those hours in front of the television? The most wicked thing ever given to man may be the only thing more wicked is the Internet and the cell phone. Are you still spending your time there? Are you reading the scriptures and praying Are you seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, or have you been deceived? What's the condition of your heart? There is so much to do and so busy just trying to stay even in the world. It's hard. Just give it all up, but that's what Jesus asks us to do. Turn it off. Change your plans. Examine your life carefully. How are you spending your time? How are you spending your money? Are you fasting? Are you praying? According to Jesus he said to Peter, "Could you not even fast and pray and watch for one hour? Could you not pray for one hour? Real prayer doesn't start until after that first hour. Take you that long just to clear out some of the cobwebs, some of the junk that has to be put aside. my brother, my sister." Jesus is coming. Literally, really. And most are not ready. Are you? Does love rule in your heart? Is your heart filled with forgiveness for those who sin against you? Do you practice hospitality or Do you practice judgment and calling people garbage? What is the condition of your heart? And what are you going to do about this coming of Jesus? Are you prepared? Are you prepared for the collapse of our currency and the grocery stores will all be empty? Are you prepared to feed others? We're going to go through some real suffering in the days ahead. We're right on the verge of a great collapse in America and in the Western world and in the Asian world. We're right on the edge. The judgments of God are already beginning to be poured out in weather We're going to see fires burn in California again this summer like we've never seen before. We're going to see a shortage of water. These are judgments from God. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you confident in your stand in Jesus? Or have you believed the lie that grace covers over your sin instead of the blood of Jesus removing all sin? Is your heart hard? Are you lukewarm? Have you believed a lie? Oh, my Lord. Come and minister to us in our brokenness. Call us to yourself. Lord, I seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. I pray in your name. Amen. I've been praying and asking the Lord to open the windows of heaven and pour out a financial blessing for Pilgrim's Progress. You can write to me at Post Office Box 2346. That's the National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Thank you, brothers and sisters. I've received these wonderful letters. Thank you. And thank you for those of you who are going online, NationalPrayerchapel.com and your giving there. We're opening a new webpage as well. I'll talk more about that later, but it's revivalnow.church. Revivalnow.church. You might want to check it out. We'll have a lot more content up there soon. I'll be interviewing various ones of you. If you'd like to be interviewed, let me know. I want to hear testimonies on video about what Jesus has done for you. My brother, my sister, I love you. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.